you ever known somebody whose name just really didn't fit them? You know, you meet them, they introduce themselves, and you're like, you don't strike me as a whatever, whatever their name may have been. Names carry with them some level of weight in terms of a person's identity. You, you have heard, we've all heard of stars who have changed their names to have a name that's a little bit more fitting the persona they're trying to express. The, the first one I ever heard of growing up as a child was John Wayne. You know, John Wayne, the Duke. He, you know, tough guy. He, he could take anybody. Until I heard his, his given name was Marion. <laughs> I was like, I can see why he changed it. You know, um, Michael Caine, his name is Maurice Micklewhite. Okay, Rock Hudson, Leroy Scherer. For you younger people, Jamie Foxx is Eric Bishop. Bruno Mars is Peter Gene Hernandez. All right. Um, names carry meaning. And we've all heard, I think, probably if you spend any time in the church at all, that names reflect the character in the Bible. That that what a person's name is kind of reflects who they are. You, you know, Jacob, the wrestler, all right, and, and uh, others throughout Scripture. You you see their name, Nabal, which means fool. I mean, it's their names reflect kind of who they are in those environments. But a name means more than that. It it it, it does reflect one's identity. When you choose a child's name, you choose a name that you want that child to be. Okay, sometimes it's named after a person that you respect and you're honoring them. You want that person to you want your child to kind of follow in the footsteps of that person. Sometimes it's just the meaning of the name. You know, when Jonathan was born, with all that we went through with him and and the concerns we had, we wanted to make sure that he had a name that expressed uh, our gratefulness to God. So Jonathan means Yahweh's gift. And um, so that's a reflection of how we view him and how we understand that whole process that God has brought us through. Uh, names can reflect, uh, however, uh, position or power. You ever wanted to get into a job or wanted to get into a certain place and the person says, just give them my name and you'll go, you'll go right in. Just use my name. Just drop my name. They'll give you a better deal if you tell them you know me. Okay, Names have that sort of power. But even beyond that, names are an invitation to know somebody. No relationship really exists, at least with any depth at all, until you know someone's name. Okay, Hey, you. Okay, uh, Doesn't really work. Hey, how you doing, bud? That's our fallback. Right? Somebody comes up and we don't can't quite remember their name. Hey, buddy, good to see you. It's been a while. You know, now you all know if I call you buddy, I probably forgot your name for that moment. Um, don't hold it against me, please. <laughs> Names can sometimes be hard to remember, but they are indeed, when they're given, they're an invitation to know someone. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, as we celebrate Christmas, we're going to be looking at the names of Jesus and what they mean. They are an invitation to know him. They are an invitation to understand him. And they communicate his power. They communicate his position. They communicate his authority. And so it's my hope that as we look at these names, as we dive into who he is communicated to be through his names, 
that we come to understand him better and that Christmas becomes something even more significant, something more powerful as he, we celebrate his entrance into this world and his invitation to us to have a real relationship with him through his name. So this morning I want to start with the name of Jesus. It's a significant name on many levels, as we'll see. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning, uh, I'm going to start with verse 18 just to give it some context. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because his name, because he will save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus. That's what we call him. His mom probably called him something more akin to Joshua. Yeshua, which is the more uh, correct Hebrew expression of the name. Um, we, it moves into Isus as you move into Greek, and then as you move into English, it becomes Jesus and how we express him. But what does the name mean? The name means Yahweh saves. It is an expression of the fact that God has come to save his people. That's what the angel here says to Joseph. You will name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He is an expression, an identity, a communication of the fact that God does indeed save. God rescues. He delivers. And if that's the case, if his name means Yahweh saves, then, then what's behind that? Well, what's behind that is the idea, first of all, that we need salvation. That humanity is in need of some help from someplace else. That something has happened along the line that has separated us, that has divided us, that has removed us from a, an appropriate relationship with God. And we need to be rescued. But people don't like that notion. People don't like the idea of needing to be saved. I mean, even needing to be helped, sometimes people struggle with that. Even our toddlers, you know, they're sitting there and they're working on things, and, and you go and you're, well, let me help you with that. No, I do it. That's what they say. We have this built-in desire to take care of things ourselves. And so when you think of the name of Jesus and you think of the fact that it means salvation, that it means that Yahweh is here to save, you also have to consider and realize that that name is going to create animosity. It's going to create opposition just by the very nature of the name itself. Yahweh saves. I don't need saving, people will say. I don't need to be rescued. I don't need to be delivered. I don't need outside help. And the very fact that he exists and has that name at all communicates that, yes, you do, in fact, need help. 
But even beyond that, there is power in the name that people have recognized over the centuries. In the book of Acts, as the church begins to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the truth that it's in Jesus' name that one is saved, you find uh, the opposition arising among the Jewish leadership. And in chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, it says, But in order that it may spread no further among people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You want to teach? You want to speak? You want to instruct people? That's fine. But don't use the name of Jesus. Don't proclaim the message that he is the Messiah because we've determined he's not. Don't use the message, the expression that he is the hope of humanity because we will say, we will declare that we are the hope of humanity. The name of Jesus challenges us and calls us to obedience, calls us to submission, and we don't like that, and so we push back it any wonder that Christmas itself has become mired in so much discussion over what we do or what we say or how we express. It's okay if you want to call it a holiday. It's okay if you want to call it a winter celebration. It's okay if you want to declare it uh, you know, some important festival of humanity. But you bring Jesus into it and people begin to push back. Why? Because his name declares a need for salvation. His name also allows relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He came and he was named Jesus. Jesus, uh, among all his names, the name Jesus highlights his humanity. It highlights his connectedness with us. Emmanuel is God with us. There's certainly a, a limited expression of humanity there. Christ is the exalted one, the anointed one. Again, a limited expression of humanity there. But Jesus is an expression of his humanity. That's what the writer of Hebrews is getting at here. That he dwelled among us. He was named Jesus. And because he dwelled among us, because he lived in our circumstance, in our situation, because he understands the temptations that we deal with, because he understands the pain that we sometimes struggle through, he is the avenue to salvation. This is a big portion of what the writer of Hebrews is arguing there, uh, as Jesus is the great high priest who is like us in every way. The manger scene that is a part of our celebration, our recognition, shows Jesus in a feed trough. 
something animals ate out of. Okay. Now, I, I just have to imagine that had to freak Mary out just a little bit. Because your firstborn, you're very careful with what you let them contact. Okay? You know, the, the story with the, the pacifier. Firstborn drops their pacifier, you throw that thing away. Second one drops their pacifier, you go wash it off with soap and water. Third one drops their pacifier, you just pick it up and put it right back in their mouth. Okay. So here's Mary with this newborn. Where are we going to put him? Let's just put him in this feed trough. It's a picture of poverty. It's a picture of frailty. It's a picture of limitedness. It's a picture of sin and what sin has done to the circumstances that the Lord of the universe, the God of all that is, the one who created those animals and those people that were around him, had to be laid in a feed trough. When we talk about salvation, we talk about the reality of what Jesus challenges us to, what he calls us to. Sometimes it can seem unfair that God could redeem wicked people, that God could function in this way. Sometimes we think that, that just doesn't make sense to me. But the manger proclaims to us that God plays by the very rules that he has established concerning righteousness, concerning salvation, concerning his place here. When he came and dwelled among us, he didn't take the easy route. He did what he did to identify fully with us so that we might understand that salvation relationship can truly be had by the God who made us. It's a name that offers direction. Most of us, when we pray, we end it how? In Jesus' name. Amen. Nope. We've talked about this a little bit before. Why do we, why do, we do that? It's not a magic phrase. That if you say that at the end of the prayer, suddenly your prayer matters or means something or is signed correctly or anything like that. The phrase in the name of Jesus itself doesn't necessarily carry with it any power. In Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva, if you remember the story, tried to cast out the demon in the name of Jesus. In the name of Paul, we call, we call you to come out. And the demons say, what? Jesus I know. Paul I know. But you, I don't know. And they proceed to get whooped. So it's not a, a magic formula that just anyone can say and, and it have the, the right impact. It's an expression, it's a communication of our connection with Jesus. That we live lives and we're requesting what we're requesting. We're, we're calling on God the way we're calling on God through the lens of the one who saved us. From the perspective, from the mindset of the one who has met our deepest need. 
as I pray for these other needs, I come knowing that you've already met my deepest one. And so I pray in your name, thankful for the fact that you've saved me. Thankful for the fact that you've transformed me. Thankful for the fact that you have moved me into a position of relationship with the Father. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's how we pray in Jesus' name. Mindful of what he's already done. Directed by what he might do in the future as we submit and respond and obey the one who saved us. It's a name that grants authority. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one expression, but elsewhere in Scripture it says baptizing them in the name of Jesus. God's salvation brings us under His name. It grants us an authority. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. All authority has been given to me, so I give that authority to you. Go in my name. Luke 24, 47, repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. As we go out to engage our culture, we don't go in our name. We don't go in our frailty. We don't go in our weakness. We don't go in our limitedness. We go in his name, in his power, in his authority. Think back on when you were a kid. Especially if you had siblings, but it works even with friends. You would say, we need to do this. I don't want to do this. Dad said to do it. Okay, I guess we better do it. What are you doing there? You're pulling in Dad's name to express the authority because your siblings aren't going to listen to you. Friends aren't even going to listen to you. But if you have this adult authority who says, do it, then suddenly there's an added weight to your instruction. As we go out to share our faith, as we go out to communicate God's goodness, we don't go out in our name. We don't engage people and say, I think you need to be saved. Because they'll say, who are you to judge me? Who are you? I've seen your failures. I've seen your your sins. I've seen your disobedience to God. Who are you to say that I need salvation? That's what happens if we go out in our name, with our perspective, from our standpoint. But if we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, then they precede us in that interaction. And as we proclaim the truth, we proclaim the truth not from our perspective, not from our opinion, but from God's word, then we have an authority to say what we say. As I stand up here and preach, my authority to preach, my authority to communicate to you is not found in you calling me pastor. It's not found in any sort of ordination. It's not found in my position or my knowledge or my insight or my perspective. My authority to say what I say is only present insofar as I stay close to the Word of God. As I move away from that, then my authority wanes and fails and falls apart. 
the name of Jesus grants us a position of authority. Not one that we use with pride and arrogance, but with humility. How could we at all express these things with pride and arrogance when it's not our name that we're going in? It's His. How can you be arrogant about what somebody else possesses? And yet people find a way to do that all the time. We share our faith and we move forward in authority, in humility, as servants of the Master who has sent us. And so we can communicate to others. We can relate to others. We can tell others the first definition of evangelism I ever learned was evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. But the beggar who's telling the other where to find food is what? He's coming from the table of the king. And he's saying, I found food. And not just any food, I found the good stuff. The stuff anybody would want to eat. And I've been sent by the king to tell you where to get it. And so, yes, there is authority, but there's authority embedded in, grounded in, humility before the king who sends us. And so all of that together brings us back to where we started. It is a name that brings salvation. In John 20, 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, what? In His name. 2 Timothy 2.19 But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord Depart from iniquity. There is no other name given under heaven by which man might be saved than the name of Jesus. We're told in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It is a name that is precious. It is a name that we carry to the Father. And we say, though I am unworthy, Though I am incapable of saving myself, though there is nothing that you owe me, God, the wages of sin are death. That's what I am owed. I am owed death. But I'm here to proclaim that the gift of life is found in the name of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that I come. Claiming connection, claiming servanthood, claiming an expression of submission to His way and His will for my life. And in that time, in that place, at that moment, we experience a transformation. The power of the name of Jesus. There is something about that name. And that something is everything. All that we need, all that we are, all that we're ever going to need, is found in the name of Jesus. And so 
with Hebrews chapter 13, 15. Call on us to say, though Jesus, therefore let us, through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess His name. The name that changes everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your goodness, Your mercy. I thank You for sending Your Son through whom we can find salvation, through whom we can find hope, God, I pray this morning that if there's anyone here who doesn't understand that, who doesn't see their need for salvation personally, Lord, who's never seen their need for it, never responded to you, Lord, that you would draw them in your power, in your grace, and that they would respond in faith. But God, I, I, I want to lift up my brothers and sisters here, and myself as well, Lord. That as we reflect upon the name of Jesus, all that it means, all that it entails, all that it calls us to, all that it challenges us to, all that it offers us, Lord, that we would offer the fruit of our lips and praise that wonderful, holy, and precious name. That we would praise it in the acts that we carry out. That we would praise it in the attitudes that we possess. That we would praise it in the words that we speak. Lord, as we enter into this Christmas season, I pray for your empowerment, your direction, and that we would always acknowledge and recognize the gift of the one named Jesus. And it's in his name I pray these things.